Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Destiny Midweek Season 3. I'm Mark Bell. Excited to be back behind the microphone. It's been a while for me, and uh, it's good to be here. I'm here with Pastor Matt, Matt Bell, the sensei of San Antonio. That's right. The sensei. Sensei. Yeah, it's great, man. This season three feels awesome. Uh, it, it feels so much different than season one. Yeah, we've really evolved, grown since that uh, the early days of season one. Although you weren't even in season two. I wasn't, and I was listening to season two, and I'm going to be honest, I felt a little left out not being in it yeah and then just the rapport that you and jason had yeah man it was i wanted that <laughs> and so i hope that one day me and you can have that but i was a little jealous that, that it seemed to happen so quickly i mean one episode in and y'all were just well the reason you weren't in season two is because season two was filmed on location or recorded on location in Japan. That's true. And you weren't there. So it's it's not that you were intentionally left out. And if you're listening and you didn't listen to the season two episodes, you need to go and listen to those. Yeah, you do. Episodes seven and eight are from Japan. Two interviews I did with Jason King, and the other was with our missionary Bobby Sayer. That was really good too. Yeah. Uh, me and Jason have known each other for a long time, and we've been really good friends for a long time. So the rapport that you're talking about, that was developed over many, many hours of conversation that we've had as friends. Yeah, it's not like me and you have, you know, we don't have that history that you and Jason have. We haven't had a lot of conversations, and we haven't known each other for very long. But, you know, I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that you and Jason have been in Japan kind of riding the trains together. Sure. Taking baths together in the the onsen. The Japanese bath. You know, y'all y'all have had a lot of, of time, of ministry and all that. So I think that was probably, that probably had to do something. That probably had something to do with it, too. So season three is. But I I will I I need to say something. Okay. I need to come. You have come the clean. floor. So we didn't have an episode last week. Correct. And I was trying to tell you we need to we need to get something out there. Right. Because people are going to be upset. They're going to be wondering what's going on. Right. Pitchforks, torches. And I didn't hear anything. No one texted me. No one reached out. And that's a little sad for me. But hopefully, when season three, episode one comes rolling in their feed, they'll be back. Yeah, for sure. So you are back because you're listening to this. So thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you for coming back. So season three is all about Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Chapter 8. And so Sunday morning, we kicked off a brand new series, eight weeks in the book 
of Romans chapter 8. The greatest chapter in the Bible. Some say. Most say. Did God say? No, but God didn't write the Bible with chapters to begin with, so we put the chapters in. So it's, I guess we get to decide what the best chapter is since we made the chapters. So your opinion is that it's the greatest chapter in the Bible. Yeah, mine and a lot of other people who really know the Bible. Okay. So I'm... All right. If you Google, if you go on Google and and Google the greatest chapter in the Bible, it'll bring up Romans 8. Okay, so anything you Google, whatever comes up, that is the truth. And I just Googled it to make sure, because I wasn't even sure about that. (laughs) Is that what came up? Yeah. What was second? It it doesn't really... It's so far in the lead that there isn't even a second. Okay. So I guess you can say... The greatest chapter in the Bible. I think so. I'll with, let you say that. With with confidence, assurance, and security. So, yeah, we started uh, uh, Sunday, we started a, a new series, eight weeks in Romans chapter eight, going through the greatest chapter in the Bible. And um, I'm really excited about it. Love, love, love the book of Romans. And some people have asked, well, why don't we just do the whole book of Romans? And that would probably take two years to to really do and to dig in and do it justice. And I just didn't feel like we were ready for that to go into a two year study on Romans. So we're picking out one of the best parts of it. And in the shorter series, eight weeks, we're going to go through it verse by verse. And I'm excited. I think it's going to be a blessing to the church. So you kicked it off on Sunday and how do you think it went? I think it was good. I, th- I think it was good. I, th- I think it was challenging for people. And I-, I think that going through that first verse where it says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that's just such a, a encouraging verse for people and really inspiring to have us think about God in the right way and to have a desire to live for him in the way that we should. Yeah, so what's really cool about what we're doing is a lot of times, even when you're going through books of the Bible, you can't always just stop and focus on one verse for an entire Sunday. But pretty much we hung out on that one verse for the majority of Sunday morning and um, felt like it was really good. It's just this is a great way that we can really hang on it, but now we can even come into the podcast and dive even deeper into these and it was cool seeing you i know every time you kick off a series you've got that extra spark that extra fire yeah and um well it's just great to be back great to be back uh from the trip and to be jumping back into the bible the greatest book in the world and uh yeah so i was i was definitely excited and i'm excited to see where the rest of the series goes Sunday, you spoke for quite a while. Yeah, it was... Uh, uh, went into overtime, you could it say. It went into over, extra innings. Yeah. But was was there any anything that you weren't able to get to? Well, with starting in the eighth chapter of a book, there's a lot of 
context that we're missing a little bit leading up to where we're at. And I tried to go back a couple of times and refer to things that Paul had already laid a foundation for that puts us where we are in Romans 8. But there is some things that I wish I could have gotten into a little deeper in Romans chapter 7 that really set up Romans chapter 8. Do you think you'll keep doing that on Sundays, having to go back? Or do you think you kind I think of so. lay the groundwork a few weeks and then... No, I think so. I think I'll probably be referring back to things he's already mentioned several times, just for more clarity. So what was the big takeaway from Sunday? Well, it's that if we're in Christ, uh, our sins are not counted against us and that we are, we're forgiven. There's, we're not condemned. And Paul writes, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he, he's writing in the negative tense because he could have just said, for those in Christ Jesus, we are justified. That's the, that's the positive, you know, and so justification brings forgiveness of sins, but he writes about it in the negative sense, no condemnation, which makes you stop and think just a little bit more because sometimes you read over those words of like justification as just a theological term and you don't really think into everything that's put into it, everything that's packed into it. And so that no condemnation really makes you stop and think, what, what does that really mean? Does it really mean that, that there's zero, zilch, none condemnation for my sins if I'm in Christ Jesus? And so we just, we just camped out on that, basically, how that can be, because in, in verses 2 through 4 that we also looked at, he explains how that can be, how we can not be condemned because of our sin. Because the law of God condemns us because we can't live up to it. We've all broken it. God is holy and just and righteous. And so lawbreakers must receive condemnation. They must receive uh, the penalty for their sin. And so how can us as lawbreakers live in no condemnation? And he says that Jesus, because God has done for us in Christ what the law couldn't do by sending his own son who paid the price for sin. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was it was awesome how you really laid into the fact that God has done what the law could not do. And it's not that we have done what the law could not do by believing in Jesus, but God has done what the law could not do. And how you really hammer down the point that God is the one who allows us and keeps us and really chooses us to be in Christ. And I think when we get that, it allows us to live a lifestyle that is in Christ. When we understand the whole process, how, how it how it happens, how it starts, that it didn't start with us making a decision, but that before the world was even created, it started with the creator making the decision that we would be in Christ.
So there was an illustration that I left out that I wanted to include, but I just ran out of time. And so I have, for the last 18 months, been a lawbreaker, according to the state of Texas. Uh Uh-oh. Because in June of 2018, my license my license tag and inspection on my car expired and so 2018 2000 june of 2018 okay so you got it renewed in july of 2018 no i i just got it renewed this weekend wow so for i don't know if that's 18 months but over a year year and some change i've been driving around with an expired license tag so you've been, you've been living in sin for a year and a half. According to the state of Texas, not God's law, but Texas law, I was breaking the law. And so everyone was reminding me who saw it. Pastor Terry reminded me almost on a weekly basis, my wife. But for whatever reason, I, I just didn't want to do it. And finally, this weekend, I went and got it all taken care of. I got the inspection. I took it down. I waited in line. I paid the lady my whatever, $80. Is there like a late fee for that or? No, there wasn't a late fee, which was nice. So now Saturday after I, I had just got that done on Friday, then Saturday I'm driving and I realize as I'm driving that I'm looking for the police. I'm, I'm constantly looking for police cars mm-hmm. and I saw one and I felt this sense of dread come over me that I had been living with for the last 18 months of, oh, I need to slow down and kind of angle around him so he can't see my license tag that's expired. And then I realized, wait a second, my tag isn't expired. I don't have to live in fear of the police pulling me over every single second. And I think that a lot of times we think about God in that way of he's, he's just constant. We're, we're constantly worried that he's going to catch us doing something wrong and and we, we don't want them to see what we're doing. And so we don't go to him in prayer because we feel like we haven't lived up to the right standard. And so our relationship with him suffers. But we are not driving around with an expired license. In, in God's eyes, we are righteous. He has declared that we are righteous in Christ. And so when we come to him, there is no condemnation. There is only forgiveness. There's only healing. There's only blessing. And too often we avoid relationship with God because we're afraid. We, we, we have that mentality of Adam and Eve in the garden who tried to hide themselves from God because we feel condemned because of sin. And if we could get this idea that we are not condemned in Christ, I think our relationship with God would would flourish. I agree, which really would lead to a healthy 
just a healthy life in the church because everybody, I think it would strengthen the relationships within believers having that freedom and not feeling the guilt or the shame that they carry that sin can, can do. So, yeah, I mean, it's really awesome that this is the first verse and if we can grab on to this first verse, it really sets the stage for the rest of what's to come in Romans 8. And so I think it was really great. If you if you didn't get a chance to, to be here Sunday, download that message and watch it on YouTube, however you want to do it, and um, get, get it because it's really good. So we do have a few questions. If you're new to Destiny Midweek, what we like to do is have the listener submit questions that had to do with, with the sermon or that has to do with Romans 8, and we like to answer those questions. And this is a, a great chance for you to get to dive a little deeper and, and know some things that maybe weren't covered on Sunday that maybe came to mind as Pastor Matt was teaching. So our question is, what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus as in Romans 8, 1. And if there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, what does it mean for those who are not? If Jesus said, For Christ came not into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, how as Christians should we witness to non-believers currently living in sin and condemnation? Wow. So, great question or questions that's really three or four questions and so i want to tackle those one at a time all right so what was the first one what does it mean to be in christ jesus to be in christ that means that we are saved it means that we are born again it means that we are regenerated by the spirit of god as Jesus says in John chapter 3, uh, which this quote, this question quotes later, but Jesus says, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he goes on to say that we are born again, not by human means, but by spiritual means, that the spirit of God causes us to be born again spiritually. And so that's what it means to be in Christ that just as Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, he now gives eternal life through his resurrection power to all who have faith in him. And we receive the new birth through faith, trusting in his work of redemption versus our own works of keeping God's law. Great. So the second part is, and if there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, what does it mean for those who are not in Christ Jesus? Well, if there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, there isn't. That's, that's what Paul says, clearly. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does it mean for those who are not? And then the, the question goes on, to say, if Jesus said, for Christ came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
So that is quoting John chapter three. So I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to go to John chapter three. And that's after Jesus had said that you must be born again. So it's, it's all of these things are linked together. They were a progression of one another. So John three sixteen, we, we know that well for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, which this question quotes, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through him might be saved. But you got to keep going. You can't, you can't stop at verse 17. Verse 18 actually answers your question. Verse 18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. So here we see Paul lining up with Mm -hmm. what Jesus taught and believed. You know, the whole Bible fits together. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he does not believe in the name of the only son of God. And he keeps going in verse 19. He says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. That's Jesus. But people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And you can, you can continue to keep going and it continues to shed more and more light. But to answer the question, if there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, there's not. Paul says it clearly here in John. It says it clearly. Whoever believes in Jesus, there is no condemnation. What does it mean for those who are not in Christ Jesus? It means that they will be judged according to God's law. And we've all broken God's law. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And the wages of sin is death. That for those who are not in Christ, there is eternal judgment from God for sin. So Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world because the world was already condemned. And so he came to bear the price and the penalty for salvation for those who believe in him. And then the, the, the other question is how as Christians should we witness to non-believers currently living in sin and condemnation? And we share the gospel with them. We share the truth with them. We share the good news with them. We share it with them in love, but we don't back down on the fact that we are sinners who need salvation. We need our sin atoned for. We have all broken God's law. And unless our sins are paid for, we live under God's righteous, just, and holy condemnation for sin. So the key word in this passage from Romans 8.1 is, if you are in Christ, there's no condemnation. And so I, I think what's at the heart of this question is how, how can I know if I'm in Christ? How can somebody really no. And I think Ephesians 2 really gives us a, the, it gives us the clearest picture 
of the difference between someone who is in Christ and someone who is not. And so Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses of your sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world. So people who are not in Christ are dead in their sins. They follow after the pattern of the world. He says that they follow the prince of the power of the air. That's following after Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body. So that that's someone who just does what feels good. They follow their heart. They're not living according to God's standard or law. They follow their own desire and have no desire to please God or live for God. Living in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Basically echoing what is said in John 3, 18, that those who are not in Christ live under condemnation already. And in verse 4 of Ephesians 2, he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so the contrast is huge. The first part, dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of this world, walk according to the prince of the power of the air, indulging in the desires of the flesh and mind and by nature children of wrath. Contrast that with being made alive together with Christ, being raised up with him, seated with him in heavenly places, having been recipients of his grace and mercy, the riches of his kindness and that we are created in Christ for good works, that we should walk in them. That's really good. I think verse four, that's my favorite, but God in the Bible. It's huge. I have it. I have that, but highlighted and circled like 15 times. Yeah. That's a big, that's a really big, but it's huge. It's huge. It's, it's just one of the biggest contrasts. And so that's, that's the deal. Like that's who we were. This is what God has done for us. And it, it changes us. It transforms us. God gives us a new heart. He gives us a, a new, he gives us his spirit and puts his spirit inside of us. And it plays itself out in our lives. It changes who we are. Yeah, and for me, really understanding this verse that I was dead in my sin, completely dead, that's when I really 
grasped that my salvation it was not my salvation. I didn't do anything. I can't, in my own power, bring anything to life that is dead. So I cannot bring my spirit that was spiritually dead to life. It's only an act of God that can do that. And so once I, once I really realized that it was God's doing and not my own, I feel like that's when kind of the light bulb clicked and I realized, yeah, there is no condemnation for me being in Christ because God would not bring something to life that was spiritually dead to condemn it. Right. Right. And so to me, realizing that, then of course, in turn, your life should line up with that spiritual regeneration. Right. So Romans 2, 4, and 5, Paul says, do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And so it's when we see God's grace and mercy and unmerited favor and kindness that he shows towards us in Christ we don't take that and say, wow, great. Now I can just go and keep on living in sin. No, it's that goodness that leads us to repentance, to turn away from sin. That's what repentance means. It means to turn. And so God's goodness and grace that he shows to us, he showers us with producing new life, eternal life, being born again, the overflow from that, the result of that is that it leads us to repentance, repentance from dead works, repentance from sin. And it puts in our heart a new desire to love God and to serve God and to follow God. Now, knowing that we're still human, when we do fall, fail, and sin, we can rest assured that there is no condemnation for us. But at the core of our being is this desire to serve and to please God and to love God that wasn't there before. And so if that is missing, we should wonder, we should examine whether we are in Christ. If we have no desire to serve God or to follow him or to keep his commandments we have no desire for that, then we don't have a new heart. We have not been born again. So you would say that if we think we are in Christ, we identify as Christian, but our life does not back up what we see from Ephesians 2, 4 through 9, that we really need to examine carefully that we are truly in Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Paul says to do so in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11, Peter writes, therefore, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election 
For if you practice these things, you will never fall. So there's this instruction to us that we should be examining ourselves, examining our lives, testing the fruit. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, that you will know them by their fruit. It's the fruit that shows whether or not we are in Christ, the result of our lives. Not that we earn our salvation, but that our salvation actually does something in us. I think people get so comfortable with grace. And I know that you mentioned that Sunday that you could sense the congregation becoming uneasy that you were spending so much time on grace and talking about not being in condemnation because what tends to happen is people can tend to pull out the grace card or think, well, God loves me so much. I've given my life to him. So yeah, I know I'm, I know I'm doing this and I shouldn't be, but thankfully God, God is forgiving and loving. So how do you, because I think you would agree that is something that is, that is going on quite a bit in, at least in the American church. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's an American thing. I I think that's a a thing in general. That's why it's in these letters. That's why these people address these things. I mean, these have, this has been going on since the gospel has been being preached. And so we have these clarifying statements about, desire and whether our, whether or not our heart's desire is to truly serve God or do we love sin? And if we love sin, we don't love God. Those two things, they don't go together. So when we do sin, we should feel the conviction of the Holy spirit and we should hate our sin. It's the reason that Christ died. It's sin that put Jesus on the cross. And so Having truly been born again at the core of our being, in our spirit, we should hate sin. We should detest it. We should feel broken over it when we do sin. And if there's no brokenness, no remorse, no contrition, no repentance, then it's time to examine our hearts and lives and see if we're truly in Christ person who brought up the question, they said, how do we witness to non-believers currently living in sin and condemnation? I think a challenge is how do you witness to those who might think they are believers, but they're currently living in sin and condemnation? How do you reach out to those people without them immediately thinking, oh, you're, you're being judgmental? You are not responsible for what other people think. So, I am responsible to be obedient to God and to be faithful. What other people think is not my responsibility. And I cannot live in fear of man. Paul says in Galatians chapter one, am I living to please God or am I living to please man? If I, if I, if I am a man pleaser, I'm not a God pleaser. And so we're called and commanded and empowered to share the gospel with people. And if someone claims to be a brother or sister in Christ and their life clearly is not lining up 
with what we'd expect a brother or sister to live, we should approach them in love, not condemning them, but loving them and saying, I love you, but this is what God's word says. And this is how you're living. And these don't line up. So what's going on? Where What's going on in your heart? How can I pray with you? How can I help you? I'm here for you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to love you. And encourage them to repent, to turn from their lifestyle of sin. That's what I would do with someone who professes Christ, but is not living for Christ. According to, not my standard, not according to what I think they should be doing, but according to what God's word says. That's the only standard that matters. And so we don't go to them and say, well, I don't think that you're living the right way. We go to them and say, this is what God's word says. And I, I can see clearly that this is how you're living. And there's a, there's a huge gap here. What, what's going on? How, how, what, what, what's happening? What's going on in your heart? Great. That's very, I, I trust that is, will be very helpful for those who are listening. Personally, I have felt that fear of what are they going to think about me. But I think when we realize that we are in Christ, we don't need to fear because a lot of times I felt like my fear was that, that they would come back to me with, Oh, well, you've done this, you've done that. And, and you have right. Right. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be a Christian. If, if I approach someone who's living in sin, I'm not coming based on my righteousness or my standard. I'm, I'm fallen and broken too. And so I'm not coming as the judge. I'm coming as a fellow human who's in the same situation. However, I'm holding and clinging to Christ. And uh, it, it appears, it looks like from, from my vantage point, dear brother or sister, that you are not. And I love you and I care about you and I care where you're going to spend eternity. And so I'm, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to call you back to Christ. Not based, again, on my own standard or my own righteousness, which is as filthy rags, but God's standard and God's word and the gospel, which Paul says is offensive. The gospel's offensive. The gospel starts with, you're a sinner. The gospel starts with, you're dead. You've broken God's law. You're living under God's judgment. You're a child of wrath. And you must repent and believe in Jesus Christ or you will spend eternity paying the price for your sin. That's an offensive message to the flesh. So if we're going to be faithful in sharing the gospel, we have to be ready for people to be offended. They're not going to be offended at us. We don't have to be offensive, but they are offended at the message and they might put us, they might attach us to the message. Mm -hmm. And that's just, something we have to we have to be okay with we have to be willing to be misunderstood 
so that people can truly understand the truth. Yeah. The stakes are too high for us to be concerned with offending people as long as we are sharing with them the truth. That's really good. Anything else you want to say? I know we've yeah, said so, a lot. But. Yeah, so there's this quote by a minister from the 20th century. He was one of the great Bible teachers of the 20th century. His name was Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said this about this topic. He said, the greatest desire of the true Christian is to draw near to God. Can you say honestly that the greatest thing you desire at this moment is to know God better and to realize his presence? If you can, you are a Christian. If you cannot, you had better examine the foundations again. For when a man is in Christ, he has a new nature and this new nature cries out for God. So I think that sums it up really well that when we come to Christ, we get a new heart, we get a new nature. I don't have time to do it today, but I would read the end of Romans chapter seven, which talks about that there's still the desires of the flesh that are clinging to us. But at the core of our being, we have this new nature and we should see that in our new nature, we really have a desire to love and to serve God and to obey him and to keep his commandments. And for the Christian, for those who are truly in Christ, we can rest assured that when we do fall and fail and when we do sin, that there is no condemnation for us. Awesome. I think that was a, that was a great start to the season. Yeah, it was a little bit more of a theological uh, deep dive. It was. But if you've got any follow-up questions on that, you can certainly email in at podcast at destinychurch.cc. You can also text us at 210-405-6267. So if you have a question, please submit your questions. I know that I trust that there are questions that come up during these discussions, during Matt's messages. And, you know, honestly, if you need to pull out your phone and just text that during the message, fire it away. That's totally cool. I would create a contact in your phone that's DC midweek. So that way it's easy to text. You don't have to remember every time what that number is. And send your questions in. We want to hopefully help you navigate these topics and help you discuss it further with your friends and with your family. So really looking forward to this series and what's to come. You got a tease for us. Next week, you're doing verses five through eight. Yeah. So, so this really continues what we've been talking about today and we're going to continue this on Sunday, but verse five says for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But for those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. And if you live according to the flesh, it's death. If you live according to the spirit, it's life. And so we're going to talk about the difference from living according to your flesh or living in the power of God's spirit. Awesome. So we are off soon to Kerrville, Texas for our third annual men's camp out. Really looking forward to that. Got some fantastic weather ahead. It's going to be fun. So, uh, yeah, we hope you have a great week. I want to give a quick shout out to my awesome friend and 
really one of my heroes right now, Sydney Roberts, who is in the thick of chemotherapy, but really he is fighting it and he is on the tail end of it and it's looking great, but Sid, you're the man and uh, we're going to keep praying for you. And that's it. That's going to do it for episode, what is this, episode nine? I think so. Episode nine of Destiny Midweek. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. God bless you.